Okay. Hi, I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to Macabre Minds, a true crime podcast. Yeah. And this week, we are taking it back to the OG. OG, Mr. Jack himself. Yep. Um, Which is actually, this case is actually where they coined the phrase, a ripper killer. So, really is the OG. Um, Yeah. Even before serial killers. Yeah. Isn't that funny? They have, like... There's, like, so many names, and yet Serial Killer, like, took forever to be a thing, and now it's, like, so common. I don't know. Always baffles Right. And I think it's weird that, um, like, people like Rippers were around before Serial Killers were really a thing. Yeah. I mean, they they existed, like, um, our one of our very first episodes, H.H. Holmes. Yeah. Yep. Like he he was uh one of the first serial killers before it was a thing. Or we've covered quite a few people that like were serial killers before it was a term. Yeah. But I feel like rippers were more common at that time just because mm-hmm. it was almost it was like easy access, unfortunately. Yeah. These women were alone late at night. It was just opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's one of the, yeah, again, that's one of the characteristics of a ripper killer is targeting prostitutes, like people who were on the outs of society, like easy target. Yeah, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First of all, there is a lot, like so much to this that I think this will probably, I'm going to try and do only two parts, but it might actually be three because there's so much. Um, there is a lot on this, and I'm sure we won't even, we'll hardly even scrape the surface. I mean, aren't there like ripperologists? Isn't that yes, a thing? Yes, it's like a whole thing. And there are so many theories and so many different suspects. And looking into this, there is one theory and one suspect that personally, like, I am buying the most into, and we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, and there's just so much because. There's not only his murders, but there's a whole Whitechapel murders, um, which I'm oh. including in this as well, because it, they're all tied together. But there's different murders other than just his that are tied together. So it's it's, it's a whole crazy network. Yes. Going on. I'm, I'm very interested to hear about all this. <laughs> okay. I'm okay with it being three parts. All right. It might have to be. Because, I'm ready to learn. Yeah. It's crazy. Strap in. Also, um, pretty gruesome. I mean, I'm sure everybody knew that this is a ripper case, but yeah, it'll be bad. Yes. So if you're if you're squeamish or anything, then yeah, definitely um, tune out and uh, watch some of our other ones or listen to some of our other ones. Even though yeah. a lot of them aren't that much better, but no, I mean, <laughs> true crime is true crime, y'all. But exactly, just saying, just saying. Okay, so throughout 1888, um, up until supposedly 1892, there are about a dozen murders that are connected and called the Whitechapel murders because they're all happening in Whitechapel, England, 
which is the area, um, five of them, five of those murders are positively linked to a single person, which has this person is known as Jack the Ripper. Um, all of these murders were in 1888. I mean, the five of them that are linked to him happened in 1888 and they are known as the canonical five so when we talk about the murders there's the canonical five um and then you know the other white chapel murders as well oh okay yes so the first instance of the white chapel file that um exists today Happened on Saturday, February 25th in 1888. A 38-year-old woman named Annie Millwood was attacked. She was stabbed in the lower abdomen and in her on her legs. And she was brought to the hospital. And she could not remember any details of her attacker's face, how they looked or their build. Um, and she recovered from her injuries, went back to work. But in April, only a few months later, she fell at work and died. So the medical examiner said her death was of natural causes not relating to her previous injuries, but which is possible with a fall, depending on how you fall. But like, how bizarre is that? What? Yeah. But it's like, that is horrific. Like, what was, I would just be so frustrated. I mean, I guess, like, as her family members, you know, she survived this horrific thing. Yeah. And then it just dies a few months later from, like, a work-related injury. Yeah. I cannot imagine. That is and the worst luck. What kind of work was she doing, do you know? Um, It was in the factory of some sort, I believe. Yeah. Okay. I, so. okay, this is... When I think of this time period and I'm like, oh, a woman working in a factory, I think of Les Mis every time. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. I'm going to. Now that's what I'm going to have in my in my mind. I Ooh, I want to watch that movie again. Right? I haven't watched it in so long. Uh, but anyway. yeah, I, I would just, I'd be so frustrated as her family. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe she like had a limp afterwards or you know something where she was less steady on her feet and then yeah fell and so it's like technically it's not because she didn't die from her injury but her injury could have caused the accident yeah because yeah um, obviously her legs were injured so i would definitely believe that it's like some sort of damage right yeah Uh, like they didn't have the type of laparoscopic repairs on tendons and ligaments like we do now so she might have had just like she was going to just have chronic issues or a very long recovery after that that she couldn't afford to be away from these this is all me assuming but very high uh, probability yeah exactly you know we can never know now but i think it could be probable for sure Mm -hmm. um so her attack is obviously, since they ruled it a death by her fall related injury, um, it was not thought of until much, much later as possibly being 
an attack by the Ripper or the Whitechapel murderers. Um, but her later on, when they take into account of all the attacks that started around this time in that area, she is connected because of um, it's very interesting, even if it wasn't the Ripper, that at this time is when attacks like this started um, periodically. And. Not too long after that, on March 28th in 1888, 39-year-old Ada Wilson was sitting in, sitting in her room um, at her home when there was a knock at her door, and a man aged about 30 years old, who was about five foot six possibly, um, had a mustache uh, and dark clothing. Um, he was at her door and he threatened to kill her if she didn't give him money. And when Ada refused, he took out a clasp knife and stabbed her twice in the throat. And somehow she managed to scream. Um, I don't know before she got stabbed in the throat, maybe. Um, but dang. Wow. Yeah. And woke up her neighbor, Rose who came down and saw Ada uh, slumped to the ground and, like, clutching her throat. And Rose managed to say, like, stop that man. Um, I don't know how. I can't imagine talking with my necks being stabbed. Um, But the man ran past both women and out the door. Um, Ada lives, and she does recover nicely, Um, But it is possible she was an early victim um, because, again, this is an early attack. But a lot of people argue that the location of where it happened was too far east from the Ripper's usual spots and that robbery was not ever like his M.O. So but the throat stabbing is so there's a lot of debate of if it could have been an early attempt by him before he like honed in his craft or something you know well yeah that's the thing is i mean a lot of the times with people like this it like kind of escalates exactly. and then they they figure out what they like the most or what works the best yeah because they never come out swinging with it with what they want to do perfected you know it's always a gradual thing always exactly yeah i mean yeah, exactly. Yeah, but very lucky to live. I cannot imagine surviving that, especially at the time period where they don't have the means as well as we would today. Right, but, like yeah. she, infection alone would mm-hmm. could have killed her. Crazy. So she is very lucky. Um, on Tuesday, April third. Emma Elizabeth Smith was robbed and attacked on Osborne Street in Whitechapel. Emma was a prostitute and she often was cited coming home with black eyes and minor injuries. She was often beat up from Mm -hmm. men, you know. And a friend of hers, Margaret Hayes, said she saw Emma talking to a man in dark clothing at a quarter after midnight. And when Emma arrived home, her landlady, Mary Russell, 
said her her face was bleeding, her ear was cut, and she had injuries to her lower body. Um, she said she was attacked by multiple men, and they had taken all of her money. And about the youngest who attacked her was about nineteen years old. Um, Jeez, yeah, she was taken to the hospital, and her peritoneum and yep. other organs. Okay. Um, and her other organs had been ruptured by a blunt instrument being thrust into those organs. Um, Jeez. So she was pretty she was pretty banged up. And her injuries caused her to go into a coma for about 24 hours and she died the next day. Um, unfortunately. She could not be saved. And although Emma is not considered a Jack the Ripper victim, her murder is the first murder of these Whitechapel murders. Because um, the others were attacked, but she was the first person to die in the Whitechapel murders. Okay, I see. Mm-hmm. So, so, so sh- you said with a blunt object. Yes. I mean, that takes a lot of force. Yeah, and it, I don't know what object it would be, but it yeah, it was not sharp, whatever it was, which that is, I yeah. just imagine. Just your per- your peritoneum, terrible. your peritoneum is like the area in your abdomen that like kind of holds your organs, like. Mm. So it like it cu- went through all the adipose to all the fat and everything mm-hmm. through her skin all the way into her abdominal space basically Ugh. and that's why it's like it, so it entered her peritoneum or injured and then along with other organs because that's kind of what holds it's like the little sack that holds all your organs in your body okay oh man not yeah. pleasant um the next victim was is Martha Tabram or Turner. She was drunk. Oh my God. She was a drunk. Um, and she lived alone and she was behind on her rent. And she went to her ex, William Turner, for money. Also, Will Turner. Will Turner. Yeah. I thought of that immediately too. I'm glad you also. As <laughs> soon as you said it. Wiltana, you have to say it with an English accent. Wiltana. Oh my god. Yeah. Um so she went to him for money on August 4th, 1888, and William said he gave her some money and they parted. And Martha was seen by her sister-in-law that night at a pub drinking with her friend Marianne Connolly and Marianne said Martha spent most of the evening going from pub to pub, and Connolly claims they ran into two soldiers at a pub, and the four of them were all drinking together for a while. And eventually, they split off, where Marianne and her soldier went somewhere, and Martha and her soldier went to George Yard, which is a passageway that was particularly dangerous area. Um, the local tenants of George Yard were kind of described as like the lowest of the low at that time. So most people were like, well, 
you would want to avoid that place definitely but they went there and around 2 a.m police constable thomas barrett was walking his beat along wentworth street which is like you know the route um patrolling Mm -hmm. and as he passed the entrance into george yard he noticed a soldier who was waiting there and the constable said isn't it time that you got back to your barracks like what are you doing just walking around don't you have a post and the soldier said he was waiting for his friend who had accompanied a woman to one of the buildings close by so the constable appeared to kind of like okay well carry on and left and at 3 30 a.m a cab driver coming home noticed a slumped person on the first floor landing of the building and but he kind of just walked past it was like well i see people passed out on the streets all the time around here so really didn't think much of it um and the soldier eventually left and at 4 45 a.m John Saunders Reeves saw the same slumped figure on that first floor landing. And, but as the sun was coming up a little more now, he noticed there was a lot of blood. So he did find oh, no. Constable Barrett, who was still walking around. And then a doctor was called as well. And it was Martha, her body. She had 39 stab wounds, kind of, quote, pepper potted around her body. Um, from her throat to her lower abdomen is where, like, all 39 stabs. Oh, my gosh. Her throat to her lower abdomen. Yeah. And Dr. Colleen later said that the killer had used two different blades and the majority of the wounds were inflicted by an ordinary pocket knife. Um, but there was one a deep wound to her breast that was by um a long instrument that was possibly a sword or a bayonet or a very large dagger what i know and it's interesting like when you're in the middle of a frenzied killing which i imagine this is probably would be mm-hmm. why would you switch instruments for one wound in particular like that is weird i know i wish that we knew which one happened first so it's like yeah. if if he wanted because i mean a pocket knife maybe from his other attacks he realized that a pocket knife is too short to get really get you know um really do significant damage because a lot of times i mean obviously you can still kill with a pocket knife yeah. but it's not going to do the same amount of damage as a bayonet or mm-hmm. a sword of some type. So it's like he might have wanted to subdue her and then go in with the because he's a creep and whatever this obsession is with yeah. the pocket knife and then stab. Yeah. Because otherwise, because I can't think of anything else. Like, wh- why? Mm-hmm. Like, why so switch creepy. it up? Why take the time to do that? I, I don't know. Did Very it go weird. into her heart? Like, that that deep one? Um, Possibly. I don't know for sure. It just says it was a deep wound over her breast. 
So right. It. I mean, possibly. Yeah, because that's what I'm thinking is like, well, he. I mean, yeah, okay, it's over the breast, but also your heart is kind of behind your breast, right? Your left one, at least. So, I don't know. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, like this is the killing blow, and yeah, did that. Yeah, whether it was before or after, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was like like you said, the killing blow. Messed up ideology. But yeah, that's horrifying. The soldier was attempted to be found at the Tower of London, but all of the soldiers that they talked to were accounted for and had alibis. So that kind of went nowhere. Um, So they were thinking whoever it was probably was pretending to be a soldier. Um, But I don't know. But again, wait, so the. When it was the two, I'm confused because it was two sh- soldiers. Yeah, and then they split up. So how did how did the one sh- sh- soldier know the other one? Or was that one never? Well, down they were they were like all questioned. Like, was it you two? And the, it was like neither of them were like identified. So I think it was, it could have been two people pretending to be soldiers or something. I'm not sure. The details are very confusing and like you know, that's all there is about it, really. I'm not I'm not sure if they were real soldiers or what, but I don't know. Right, I'm sure like police reports weren't the same at the time. Yeah. And it's all just very foggy anyway. Yeah. And then they also had Marianne Connolly come in and like they rounded up the soldiers at the Tower of London and they were like, is it this guy? Is it this guy? And she said like none of them were him. So there we go. But again, Martha's death was not the one of the canonical five. Um, but it did have a lot of similarities. Um, Martha's skirts were up at around her waist, which is as we'll see, all the others are when they're killed her throat and lower abdomen were targeted which is the killing points for the other uh ripper murders so there are those similarities but she which i think she could be honestly but um she is still not considered a definite ripper victim oh my gosh really yeah i would think that would be too much of a coincidence but yeah yeah i don't know she's not considered one of his victims officially wow yeah um three weeks after her death is when the first canonical death happens and that uh woman's name was mary nichols at 3 30 a.m on august 31st 1888 a man named Charles Cross left his home in Dubton Street and set off to to get to work um, near Liverpool Street, where he was employed as either a carman or a delivery driver. And he noticed a dark bundle on the street. So he approached it and saw that it was a woman. And he turned and there was another carman who was going by at the time, whose name was Robert Paul. And he said, oh, come over here and look at this woman. Um, Probably like 
because nobody wants to discover that by themselves. Like, come help me with this. That's and, true. Um, She was on her back and her skirts were raised to her waist. And Charles reached out and touched her face. And her face was still warm, but her hands were cold. And he kind of said, well, I, I think she might be dead. And Robert Paul um, placed his hand on the woman's chest um, to see if she was breathing. And then Paul suggested, maybe we try and sit her up, see if she's okay. But then Charles was like, no, you know what? We shouldn't be touching her. We should just, we should go. I'm not going to touch her again. Um, or like, go find somebody. So the two of them decided that there was nothing really to be done. They pulled her skirts back down to her knees to try and protect her decency. And they set off back to work. But they agreed. But they were like, well, the first policeman we come across, uh, we'll let them know about it. But we got to go to work. So it's kind of kind of cold. But like, at least they went to go find a policeman. Um, that is, that's such an, like, can you imagine that today? I mean, I know yeah. that they didn't have, like, we could just whip out our cell phones and call really quick. But, like, I ain't going to work. After I find a dead body, I'm going I know. home. Literally traumatized. <laughs> I'd be like, I, I'm going to need a few weeks to process this. Literally, I've thought about this, and it's like, if I even have, like, a flat tire or, like, the most minor inconvenience before work, like, I'm not going. No, neither. <laughs> One time, this is so pathetic. One time, I got lost because I, I took the wrong exit. Um, going to school, going to college, and I had a test that day. But I was so I have anxiety with driving, you know. And I was so yes. flustered and like freaked out of not knowing where I was that I drove home and did not go to school that day. Because oh my like gosh. one minor like I miss a wrong exit, and I was like, no way, I'm done. No. Like, <laughs> If I if I found a body, no, <laughs> no way. Right, exactly. There's absolutely no shot. I'm going to work. That is that's. I mean, obviously, it's a different time, different yeah. mindset, and like you needed to be at work. But <laughs> hell, <That's> no, wild. <laughs> no, going. That's said, horrible. Oh, I, I, I'm just gonna carry on, and I'm just like, oh yeah, well, what's the first officer we see? Like, not even try to, like, go to someone's house and be like, hey, can we use your phone? Yeah, phones existed. House phones existed. Right? Did they? I don't think they were very common at this time, if they if they existed. In the late 1800s? I don't think so. Hold on, let me see. I know, because now I feel stupid. When were house telephones common? Is that the right phrasing okay google does not want to answer my question hold on i'll type <laughs> i need to know <laughs> yeah because because we could really be sounding stupid <laughs> i mean sure we already are <laughs> yeah <laughs> this happens um, about once per episode well that's not very helpful but you hear it says by 1900, there were nearly 600,000 phones being used. Oh my gosh, what? 
19 by 1907, AT&T had a monopoly on phones. AT&T's been around that long. What? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> they still can't get their shit together. <laughs> so crazy. Um Well, I guess at this time they would be getting more popular in houses. Yeah. I suppose. Probably like very yeah, almost 1900s. Probably just picking up. So who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And maybe in the poorer areas, not. Okay. So the telephone was invented in 1876. So it would have been around for almost 10 years at this point. So I can see why, like, these houses that don't have as as much money when they wouldn't have one yeah okay okay so we're both kind of right (laughs) (laughs) yeah they were around but just not very common okay okay i need to correct myself because i thought of this um the math was not mathing um i said the phone was invented in 1876, so it was almost 10 years it had been invented. Yeah. No, it's 12 years. It's been around for 12 years. It's 1888. Uh, you know that you test almost... I said I didn't go to? It was a math test, so probably should have gone. <laughs> well, I, you know, you said almost, and I didn't correct you. I heard... I thought you said around, but yeah, you probably did say almost. I did. I said almost. (laughs) (laughs) The math was not mathing. Okay. (laughs) Anywho, at least I caught that. Yeah, right. At least you're correcting yourself now. Goodness gracious. Okay. Um. Continue. Ooh. Continuing on. Odd. It's a hot mess express today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when we do it at the end of the day. I know. Yikes. Okay. Um, what neither man had noticed, um, because it was very dark, was that the woman's throat had been slashed so savagely that her head had almost been severed from her body. So it was pretty nasty. And even in the dark, I'm like, how do you not notice that? I don't know. Oh I know they gosh. don't really have any light, but when they were like touching her face, whoa! So they're touching her face. They're saying, "Oh, her face is still warm." Yeah, and that's after all the blood had left it pretty much as soon as she was attacked. Yeah. So that was a that was they they found her quick after it happened. They yeah they must have because. Yeah, both of them said she was still warm. So, and this is like when she was found later um that they had noticed it. So like she probably hadn't lost that much blood yet when they fa- when they found her. Um and it is even suspected that the two of them came across her so quickly after she was murdered that the murderer was probably like still in the area like hiding and had like scampered off really quickly when he heard people coming so jeez yeah and then they see that and they just like and like they touched her mm-hmm. but when you pulled away you didn't have like 
blood so tans. I mean, that's just like, that's just luck that they didn't touch a, a spot that was stabbed or yeah, injured. Crazy. Like I'm, I think they had noticed she was bleeding, but like they couldn't tell like how severe the cut was. Right, but if it's like, yeah, because if it's dark enough to where you can't see that there's a massive neck wound, Mm -hmm. then how are you when you touch her? How are you like making sure you're not touching any blood? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Weird. It's just luck, I guess. Yeah, it's crazy. Um. The officer who found her was PC John Neal. He was making his rounds and he sent another constable to go find a doctor. And then PC Mizen, who was alerted by the two men, Cross and Paul, arrived. So somebody, some other officer had found her and then the another person who the two men alerted came as well. Um, and then the doctor who arrived was Dr. Fluellen. And he got there around 4 a.m. and declared life extinct, which is apparently what they used to say rather than like deceased or, you know, whatever they say now. Um, life extinct. Yeah. Hmm. Or maybe it's an English. They changed it. Yeah. Um, on closer examination, they also the doctor also observed that her body and legs were still warm, and her hands and wrists were cold. So, the doctor believes she could not have been dead for more than a half an hour, and likely it was less time than that. Um, and again, that's when the police say that the murderer probably was still at the scene when Charles Cross first came across her, found her. Um, There was a deep gash all the way across her abdomen, and she had been disemboweled, which is just very, very work. Yeah. And that's also, that's just crazy amount of, um, what am I trying to say? Force, strength. Yeah, that. But um aggression. That's like a lot to do like in public, like on the street, you know? Like taking the time to do that when like literally at, I know it's early in the morning, but the police are making their rounds. They like patrol the streets and anyone could have saw him. No one did, so, like, which is crazy, but yeah. Yeah, I mean to disembowel someone just yeah like that alone is there's a lot of layers to someone to someone's Mm -hmm. innards like even if they're thin like you got muscle you got fat you got several different things you got to cut through it takes force and it takes Mm -hmm. a sharp object yeah and it is this kind of aggression and mutilation that 
makes her the first Ripper victim officially because the others had not been quite as mutilated like that to the yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she is the first canonical victim because of that. Um, which I can see, yeah, she's definitely, obviously, definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. This is when you see it and you're like, we have someone scary on our hands. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Um, It becomes more of a a scare than like, oh, this could be random murders. But then now it's like targeted, thought out. Yeah. Unfortunately, two work workers um, who were not very familiar with police procedures um, stripped and washed the body before the autopsy could be completed and they disposed of her clothes. Um, um, very unfortunate. What? That is so... Oh my gosh. Yeah. To go down in history being one of those people who messed up like that and could be the up. reason why he never got caught. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, like, any detail, even at that time, any detail is needed and necessary. Well, yeah. And, I mean, as you go on, the sloppier you get. But also, I feel like as you start off, the sloppier you you are. Right. Because you don't know what to look out for as much. So, who knows what what kind of evidence there could have been. Yeah. But those two, the workers, were thinking... Very Victorian modesty, like, oh, she needs to be washed and cleaned and, you know. I mean, they treated her like they should, like. Like, respectfully, but also. Respectfully. It didn't help. Yeah. But not how, uh, yeah, not how they should have, like, from an investigation standpoint. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. At least they were, like, respecting her as best they could. Yeah. So what they, they thought they were think doing of it. the best. Yeah, they right. Really know. Um, with all of the autopsies of the five, um, there was no sexual assault evidence with any of the victims. They were obviously killed quite cl- quickly, um, by a very like quick blow, and then all of the mutilation, the body organs being removed, all of that was done after the per victim was already dead and that is with all of them so they were not alive for the kind of like mutilation that they suffered at least um but it's also gosh it's also very strange because the killer clearly although it's very very gruesome um they're not a torturer it's a very quick death and then so they're not interested in like making it as painful and torturous as possible it's about the display of it afterwards really yeah like the anatomy of it mm-hmm. very weird what and then with all of the deaths the blood is concentrated in one area and um which means it's not a mess as terrifying as they are um or as gruesome as they are, the blood is in a very, like, in every instance is in a, like, single spot. It's not, like, messily all over the place, like you would imagine it would be. 
I and, see. Yeah. So it's like you said, it's quick. It's mm-hmm. just Oh my yeah. gosh. Or they're being killed somewhere else and being placed where they are because that's another that's another um theory that they don't really know if that's true because of like why would the blood not be like all over the place. Um I yeah. think that this person was just like very it's almost like they like knew what they were doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they're very like it's just like you said, so clean. But then where how you're talking about these injuries, I mean, this is not a clean act. This like uh, it's like you're in surgery. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and weird. That that is another theory we'll get into. Oh, that's my theory. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is, that's my theory. <laughs> that that's what I think. I agree with that yeah. one. <laughs> um so Marianne Nichols, who was that first victim, she was buried in the city of London cemetery with tons of spectators showing up. Um, this is now a very famous case. And there were she had a lot of mourners, and maybe it was like a morbid fascination, but also her death and all of these women, their deaths were very public, very they were very much mourned. So kind of like the opposite of what we see with the Yorkshire Ripper, where the prostitutes weren't really, like, thought of in the media and stuff. I Surprisingly, people were writing that they felt, like, so bad for these women and that these poor women who were just down on their luck and people showed up and mourned them. So it's surprising to me for the wow. time period. Yeah. See, I'm I'm really happy with that, that people, like, actually spoke up and and you know cared felt bad for these women yeah cared for these women yeah because that's what it should be like just because they are sex workers or you know in a really low point in their life does not mean they're not people right yeah so i'm glad i'm glad that that was the case for sure pleasantly surprised yeah with that yes. right um just two days later after her burial is when the next victim is found in the backyard of a house on Hanbury Street, um, which ironically was the same place that Mary Nichols' body was being kept by an undertaker before burial. So it was like an undertaker's house. And then the next victim shows up dead in his yard. Isn't that isn't like that weird? Too ironic. Yeah. It's like too yeah. It's a little too weird for me to be honest. It's a little too suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a very strong coincidence. Yeah. Um the victim's name is Annie Chapman. She was 47 years old. She earned money through crochet work and making and selling artificial flowers and occasionally prostitution so she kind of just did whatever was needed and possible at the time for money um but she was known to spend a lot of her money on alcohol and in the days before her death other women she knew reported seeing her looking worse and worse lately um 
she was hanging around with this guy named Ted Stanley, who was a jealous guy. Um, and everyone knew that he kind of beat her up. And in the days before her death, she had bruising everywhere. She was looking very pale and sickly. Um, and a neighbor, Amelia, said on September 7th, she saw Annie looking too weak to even really stand properly and told her that she should go get checked out at the hospital. But Annie said, no, I have to go out and make a living. I don't have time to go to the hospital. Um, oh, my gosh. This is just unfortunate. And on the morning of September 8th, a man named John Davis woke up at 6 a.m. to see Annie in the passageway by his back door between the steps and the fence. And her head was turned towards the house and her clothes had been tugged up above her waist, um, exposing her lower body and stockings and everything. And a handkerchief was tied around her throat. Um, she had been wearing it when the killer cut her throat because her throat was slashed. Um, it it was later speculated that the murderer had tied this handkerchief around her neck to keep her head from rolling away, but that was like an exaggeration, um, made okay. up by the newspapers. Um, she was already wearing it before she was attacked, so it was not put on her. By the murderer um how they know that i don't know but her injury yeah. was not as severe as that where like without this handkerchief on her head would have rolled away yeah but yeah um her face and hands were covered in blood <clears throat> and her hands were raised and bent with the palms going towards the upper portion of her body giving the impression that she had been struggling and was, like, fighting to, like, reach for her throat. Um, okay. Yeah. So definitely in, like, a defensive position is how she was found. I see. Um, I'm trying. To, I'm, like, doing it with my hands. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, her hands were, like, reaching yeah. towards her throat like that um inspector joseph chandler came to the scene and by the time dr phillips arrived at 6 30 a.m there was already a swarm of maybe hundreds around the house and officers were fighting them back um because people were very interested in this case at the time well this was the tv this was the soap operas exactly um Okay, so a lot of things. Yes. Um. So yeah, so we're thinking when she said, "Go, I need to go out and make a living," or whatever. Um, she's going out prostitute. Yeah, prostituting, right? Yeah, that's what we're assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you know that for sure. And then also, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, you know. What if this person, whoever Jack the Ripper is, because mm-hmm. now I'm running with this whole medical theory or this whole like theory that he's in some t- type of medicine or I don't know, something where he can like basically perform surgeries. Yeah. Um. What if he is like looking for his next victim 
not saying he does this with all of them and not saying he's like merciful. Yeah. What if he's looking for his next victim and sees this woman just get like hobbling around, just looking ill. And he's like, you know what? That'll be my next victim. Easy pickings. Plus she's, she's weak anyway. Exactly. And so maybe he went after her because she's weak and because, Mm -hmm. because he's going to kill her. And he's like, he's performing this like almost uh surgical routine on her yeah absolutely like, that's that if i had to guess i would definitely agree with that yeah if he's like stalking her and he's like or he's like you know looking for his next next victim sees a sickly person mm-hmm. i can totally see why he'd he'd pick her yeah so like it makes me think of him think seeing them more as like specimens mm-hmm. rather than um having some like like uh with the yorkshire murders um that was like some hatred towards women mm-hmm. you know he yeah. had issues like Definitely. he had mommy issues and whatever he had some weird hatred with women yeah with this i feel like it's not necessarily that it's like experimentation yeah, it's like seeing he has some some bizarre, like, yeah, mm-hmm. looking at people more as specimens, like I said. Yes. Not necessarily yeah. as people. Um, yeah. And with that, I'm going to get into the description of how she was found, which is pretty nasty, but this is going to go along exactly with what you were saying. You'll see. Hmm. So, um, fair warning. This is exact quote from Dr. Phillips' notes. So, on um, Annie Chapman. The left arm was placed across the left breast. The legs were drawn up, the feet resting on the ground, and the knees turned outwards. The face was swollen and turned to the right side. Her tongue protruded between the front teeth, but not beyond the lips. And the tongue was much swollen um the front teeth were perfect as far as the first molar top and bottom and very fine teeth um it's weird i don't know why they would mark that but um the body was terribly mutilated the stiffness of the limbs was not marked but was evidently commencing he noticed the throat was dissevered deeply The incisions through the skin were jagged and reached right around the neck. On the wooden paling between the yard, um, so like the fence, there were smears of blood corresponding to where the head was laying. Um, These were about 14 inches from the ground and immediately above the part where the blood from the neck lay. So that's where there was actual like blood found. Um, her womb had been deftly cut out and taken away. Um, like wait, they they couldn't find it. No, they couldn't. They never found it. Never found her womb. It her was womb. her uterus. Yeah. Well, it what says the- womb in the notes, but yeah, yeah, right. What is he out. doing with a uterus? Hmm. Like what? And for someone to know specifically where that is and what that is and to take it out to and take it mm-hmm. and it was um 
it said like in the doctor's notes it said it was definitely uh like precisely done precisely done yeah um so yes this is where the biggest one of the biggest theories was that it was somebody in medicine a doctor a nurse um who knew what they were doing comes in and obviously specifically i mean women are the only ones with the uteruses so that's why he's going after women is he has this obsession with with female anatomy maybe of a very weird way of obsessing yeah um or like no words fetish but that's an extreme but that's such an extreme because it's not like he's like that's just a uterus that's just what holds everything yeah weird and you like a uterus is like small when it's not doesn't help isn't holding a baby it grows mm-hmm. like crazy otherwise it's a pretty small organ yeah it's definitely one of the biggest things that has tripped people up over the years i would say because um, on the one hand you can say this was like it was such a frenzied mad dash stabbings and killings and but then there was also the very very careful mutilation part which is just so different but all like yeah your the yorkshire murderer had nothing on this guy just because of like as far as how bizarre yeah this is and there's i understand why there's the ripperologists yeah specifically on this guy the display like she her arms were placed her legs were turned out like she was displayed for sure um which is another layer of it too yeah um why so this time around the police oversaw the transfer and handling of the body after Nichols was washed and stripped without permission um, okay. They were trying to be as careful as possible. But at some point, two nurses came in and did the same thing. They cleaned her up and everything. I don't know how, because after that, they were like, we're going to take care of it ourselves. But somehow, some way, the same thing happened. Um, I mean, but they got a lot more recorded and done this time around before that happened. But yeah. I can I understand being like we need to respect and respect this woman and give her the dignity that she lost. Mm-hmm. But put up a sign, literally anything. I mean, fool me once or shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, yeah. Basically that, <laughs> where it's like, why are you making the same mistake twice? Right. Like, I I don't even think that's on necessarily the staff because it's not like the nurses are, like, fighting against – I mean, I would imagine they're not, like, knowingly breaking the rules and doing this. Yeah. They're just – they probably just thought, like, oh, we should probably do this, you know? 
It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Give her some dignity. Yeah. Um, the police started making inquiries amongst the prostitutes in the area. Like, do you have any suspects who in this community could be possibly targeting you guys? Um, and the women had nicknamed a particular man Leather Apron um, on account of he normally wore a leather apron when they saw him. Um, Makes sense. Very literal. Yeah. Um, And apparently he was running some sort of extortion among them, threatening. He had said all that, like, I'll rip you open if you don't give me a cut of your money and stuff like that. Um, So he was definitely a person of interest. And but unfortunately, when the press learned of this possible suspect, they began emphasizing this man's supposed Hebrew appearance and this wave of anti-Semitism just surfaced in the area, sadly. Um, because this leather apron person was suspected of being Jewish, um, just all of this like hate of Jewish people just started out of what the heck yeah because of some weirdo yeah that's suspected of being jewish and one yeah one of the men who became a suspect became a suspect only because he was jewish like he had literally no other connections to anything um but people just started like really targeting him um unfortunately people suck people suck yeah. so much yeah that's all you can say. I, yeah, people suck. But one time, one of the women yelled to a police officer, like, there he goes. There goes Leather Apron down the street. Go get him. But the police um, just kind of watched him walk by. And, um, and she's like, you're going to go let a murderer walk free? Go get him. So then they started a chase after him. And the constable caught up to this man, but he denied anything, saying, I don't know this woman. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I don't know why she's accusing me. And um, I the just leather like apron. My... What? <laughs> I just wear a leather apron. Yeah, literally. <laughs> this leather apron scare was like fully underway. And the newspapers reported any shady people as this possible boogeyman. Um. And Leather Apron, as it turns out, was possibly a man named John Pizer, and he was arrested as being Leather Apron, but um, everyone who knew him insisted he had nothing to do with it. They said he, he had alibis for each of the murders that had happened already, so he was eventually set free. Um, and during examinations of so-called witnesses of these crimes um all of them proved to be really unreliable just telling a bunch of stories that didn't add up or contradicted each other so they really had nothing on john pizer other than claims that it was him um it he may have been leather apron but he was not the white chapel murderer so 
he there was no way to tie him to the murders so maybe he was the one doing this extortion thing with the prostitutes but he right could not be connected to any of the murders and he ended up living in Whitechapel until his death like he kept living there um so did he did he what was his job I don't know. Something where you have to wear a leather apron, like um, like yeah, I think it was or like I don't know, like a in a slaughterhouse or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would make sense. Yeah, you'd think, but I don't know, man. He had reputable alibis for the timing mm-hmm. of everything, so it, it happened quick. Yeah, yeah, it Could did. Have stepped out to to. To, to have a smoke. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> Leather apron. I don't know. <laughs> I will have to look into that some more, but I don't I don't think it was him personally. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> what I think. <laughs> um so for a while now, letters had been being sent in. Um, saying they were from Jack the Ripper. And I know the letters are very, very famous here or now for Jack the Ripper, but actually none of them were, none of the letters uh, were ever proved to actually be from the killer because they had so many like hoax letters that it's possible none of, they were all hoax. Like they were not, it's possible none of them were actually from the murderer. I am just trying to be like criminal minds and profile this person right now. But just based off of what he's doing, mm-hmm. um, unless the letters are like some medical journal type entry where it seems like he's talking about the studies he's doing on the female anatomy and all this. If it's not something that's kind of along the lines of that and it's just him being sinister and creepy, then I wouldn't believe that it's actually him. Because I don't, I think, I I sincerely think that this guy is just, he's just doing it for his own, like, I don't think he thinks of them as people. And so, yeah. like, I don't think he's trying to, like, like uh, make a show of it in that way. Him displaying it, I think, is him showing his work. Yeah. In a creepy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I mean, he doesn't think like, like we do, where they're actually people. So I don't, so anything he says where it's sinister or anything, I wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I, I haven't really, I don't even know what the letters say, but that's just what I'm saying before you read them. Right. It's, yeah, I would agree with that because, yeah, he's definitely just, it's all about display, really. Um, right. Okay. So one of the most famous letters is this Dear Boss letter. Um, and it is probably the only letter that they think could possibly be from the real murderer. Um, and we, I think I'm going to stop it here, though, and I'll <gasps> read it next time because we're almost out of time. But, <sighs> okay. I don't know because we only have like Four minutes left on this thing. All right. So this is where Joe, Jack the Ripper, we're leaving yeah. it on 
Jack the Ripper writing a Dear John letter to, I mean, <laughs> <Dear> John. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> and Dear Boss letter. Yeah. <laughs> um, to yeah. the newspapers or to the police. Who do you write to it the, to? To the police. Yeah. Mm. Um, dear Boss. Dear Boss. William yeah. Tanner here. Sorry. <laughs> Bring him back. <laughs> Surprise. It was William Turner all along. <laughs> Just kidding. He was not a suspect. I'm um, I'm the real leather apron. Like leather apron is a cool and uh, not a cool name, I'm sorry, but like Jack the Ripper leather apron, like I feel like those are uh, like leather apron's not a bad name for a bad guy. No. Yeah. Like it's funny, but also <laughs> it is I don't know why it's kind of it is kind of intimidating. Yeah. I mean leather sounds- apron. Apron. Sounds a little scary. I'm gonna look up if John okay, next time too, when we come back, don't let me forget. I'll look up if John Pizer really worked in a slaughterhouse or if I just made that up. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think he did, but I'll I'll double check what he actually did for work. <laughs> so you're like, oh okay, yeah, I think it was just a slaughterhouse. Like well casually. I mean, kind of makes sense. I'm dead. um yeah that makes sense but yeah 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 all All right right. well on that note i'm casey i'm emily and you just heard macabre minds